Now you should listen to this because this concerns you. This is about an uh, evil genius in love. Evil genius mind. It woke me up from my sleep and I don't like it. No, you're an evil genius is what you are. If this works, you're, you're some kind of a, a evil genius. Honest to God. Hello and welcome to the Evil Genius Chronicles. This show is being recorded for June 16th, 2023. Heroes Con in Charlotte for those who celebrate. First, the business. This show is not kid safe, not work safe, not safe for anyone in any context. You are in danger. The show is Creative Commons licensed, non-commercial attribution 4.0 unported. The music is by the late great band, The Gentle Readers. They're at gentlereaders.com. Bandwidth is via Cashfly under the kind umbrella, <laughs> different word there, of Backbeat Media. Thank you very much. I do not speak for my day job. I am proud of my day job. I do good work for them, but I am not on their brand and they are not on my brand. We are uh, going our separate ways when I'm here uh, on a Saturday morning recording. Are we capiche? All right. Let us get to a song before we do anything else. This is from uh, a band called The Bad Piper. And uh, uh, like much of the stuff I play on here uh, in the last couple of years, Irish and Celtic Music Podcast uh, derived. This is where I hear, heard it. They've got on this album called um, Burn, I believe is the name of the album. Um, they've got a bunch, uh, uh, several of like pseudo covers. Some are more covery than others. They have a song called We Will Frock You, which is almost literally We Will Rock You. They've got one called, what was the other one? Plunderstruck, which is uh, less covery and more transformative. It's like the riff, the guitar part from Thunderstruck, then with guitar, uh, with bagpipes over it. And then they've got this one, which is, I'm actually trying to find, It's the song is called Kilt by death. Very cute, right? And I re-listened to the Motorhead song, trying to hear what was the same. And if there's something in there, I don't know. I'm not getting it. <laughs> Maybe it's the chords. I don't know why. It's, uh, I don't know why. But anyway, as we know, uh, if you've been listening for any length of time, I'm a sucker for a rock song with bagpipes in it, right? <laughs> ACDC, Long Way to the Top. Uh, I love uh, every, all these ones that are flip sides, which are bagpipe, song, bagpipe bands that occasionally have really uh, rocking uh, music. So here we go. This is The Bad Piper with Kilt by Death.
All right, there you go. That was The Bad Piper from the album Burn with Kilt by Death. My favorite part of that song is like about 30 seconds from the end when it goes almost thrash metal. <laughs> and it's like, boom, boom. But uh, everything but the bagpipe is so low in the mix relatively that it doesn't sound that different. Even though it's got this thrash metal under underneath it, it pretty much sounds like it has sounded uh, the whole song. So uh, I like that. I just like... I mean, you're, you will definitely hear more of this. Yeah, and, and the rate at which you hear them depends on how much uh, I'm listening to the Irish and Celtic music podcast, because that is, uh, that is my entree to uh, all of those sorts of things. All right. Now, I will tell you, um, you know, there's a thing in, uh, you know, any Star Trek or any space opera type thing, anything where you have like ship to ship combat in, uh, you know, space combat. There's a point where, you know, the protagonists, they take a lot of damage and the shields up and uh, all this kind of stuff. And then at some point they go to life support systems only. <laughs> my friends, that's my life. <laughs> life support systems only. The um, the things. So my kid makes it to school, made it to school every day. Where thankfully, we are into summer. Finally, uh, I make it to my job. Uh, you know, we keep each other fed. Uh, the dogs get walked and fed. Uh, Grandpa gets to and from dialysis. But beyond that, oh, beyond that, there's just, it's just the idea of like, even when I have time, like the idea of having the gas in the tank to come do a podcast or do anything that is not survival and keeping, you know, the, the basics of uh, the operation of the household going cleaning, you know, do, like doing anything that uh, is not necessary. So like people flump down in a uh, exhausted heap at the end of the day and maybe watch some mindless TV or mindful TV. But, uh, and so I mentioned in there uh, getting grandpa to dialysis. That's the reason. <laughs> That's the majority of the reason why we're on life support only because we're, uh, how far are we into this? Eight months into the dialysis. We're about two years, a little over two years into the grandpa living in this town. Uh, eight months into the dialysis era. And oh boy, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a couple grandpa stories just to illustrate this. Um, in order of uh, decreasing fun. <laughs> in, so Warren Zevon in the song Play It All Night Long has this song where he says, Country Living, it's all shit and piss and jizz and blood. We'll subtract the jizz because, you know, TMI, I think we're past that, Grandpa. But shit and piss and blood, all of the above. And so um, the uh, one of these days, I was, you know, I do maybe a sm 20% of the drop-offs and pickups. You know, my wife does the majority of them. And there's this very different dynamic. When she drops them off, she's there for a couple hours. And I'm there usually for 30 minutes or 40 minutes. And I do the, obviously, like, if there's shit on the counter or, you know, there's a plate with rotten food on it, I throw that kind of stuff away. I take the trash out. I do the basics. She does more. And um, I think she's also uh, more focused on his happiness. And I honestly, at this point, have just said, let's keep this fucker alive. <laughs> That's what I feel our responsibility is, to keep this fucker alive. It's like with a baby, right? When we first had the baby, we said, our job is to keep this baby alive. Happy is, you know, a nice to have. It's not a must have. <laughs> alive is the must have uh, I, I'm not even like happy is not even a nice to have it's just a random I don't care whether it's there or not I don't care so here's one story is uh, I'm picking him up when I pick him up it's in the 5pm region when he's done with that thing and where the dialysis thing is is very close to the stretch of uh, Conway South Carolina it has all the fast food restaurants and all the stuff so we're right there and uh so typically, uh, if you want some food, we get the food on the way home. And I asked him, what do you want to eat today? Do you want to go to McDonald's and get your chicken sandwich that you like? He's like, no, I don't want that. I want a chicken biscuit. Oh, so you want to go to, what, Bojangles? No, I want a chicken biscuit. So you want Hardee's? No, I want a chicken biscuit. I was like, dude, like, sometimes we have these things where, like, the very first thing I have to do is know where I'm driving you to. Before we decide what's on the menu, I have to know what place I'm getting it from. So where am I going? He's like, you know that place. That's the chicken biscuit. I was like, uh, KFC? I mean, I don't know who else has a chicken biscuit. The chicken biscuit! I was like, the only place I know the chicken thing you like is that McDonald's sandwich. Yeah, that's it! 
Like, isn't that the fucking first thing I said to you? Okay. So we go to McDonald's. We go to the drive-thru. And I'm at the window placing his order. And I say, I'd like to get whatever the – I don't even remember the name of this thing. It's the Mick Chicken Whizzy whatever. And I'm ordering the thing. And as I'm ordering it, I start to order his chicken sandwich. He goes, no, chicken biscuit. <laughs> and the woman on the drive-thru, Mike, says, I'm sorry. I can't, what, what was that? And it's like, I'd like the, Mc, uh, the McChicken sandwich. No, chicken biscuit. And we just keep doing this. And I'm trying to order him his chicken sandwich. And he screams chicken biscuit over me. <laughs> and it's like, at one point, I'm like, you got to shut up or I can't order this food for you. <laughs> and it's like, God damn it. So this is now a thing in our house where somebody, why do you want chicken biscuit? <sighs> so, um, less fun. Uh, uh, Chooch and Viv Schubert were in town also for not fun stuff, also with a, for an aging relative. And we had made a deal uh, where we were going – we had plans. We had a deal. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me that I consider making dinner plans a deal. We had worked out this deal for our dinner. <laughs> and we were going to the sea captain's house down by the beach. And so we were going to meet there at 7. And uh, for some reason, I think this was in the era when uh, maybe chorus or something. So the kid – and my wife were, I think, it was like a late school pickup. So I went and I took probably chicken biscuit to grandpa. So to get to see Captain's house by seven, you know, on a Friday, uh, required some uh, some doing. Uh, anyway, traffic can be bad. So I needed to leave by like 6.15. So I leave my house at like 5.15. And I drive straight to McDonald's. And I sit in line forever. And I get that same stupid meal for grandpa i run it to him i get it to him by about six uh drop off the food to him and all of this is like all of this is not helping me get to the beach it's just it's just uh like slowing me down and like putting me in putting me in parts of traffic i wouldn't have to be if i wasn't doing all this stuff so i go out of my way spend an hour doing this shit getting him this mcdonald's dinner before i go and have my so it's like six, a little after six, and I leave for the beach, and I meet Chooch and Viv and have dinner. The next day, uh, he tells my wife he didn't eat that food because I didn't bring him to him until 8 p.m., and it was too late, and he couldn't eat it. It's like, motherfucker. He ruined <laughs> – not ruined, but he fucked up my evening, made me do all this extra work, and then he didn't eat the food because he said I didn't bring it to him till 8. <laughs> it's like, ugh. And so, you know, that sort of thing, it's like, it just makes, I mean, old man, I mean, we're, you know, we're in the senile zone. I understand he ain't right in the head. It still doesn't make it fun. So then uh, this just happened like recently, like a week ago, maybe in that vicinity. Drop it. My wife had seen him uh, the night before and he had told her that, that after dialysis, he wanted Zaxby's, this like chicken fries thing that he gets at Zaxby's and he wanted to get that. So I'm picking him up that day. I pick him up and I say, all right, well, we're going to Zaxby's to get your thing right now. Nah, I don't want that. Like, okay. Well, Zaxby's is like right by it's within about 30 yards of the path. We're going to drive anyway. When we go home, it's like convenient. It's right there. It's easy. And I, I would love to do that and get it over with. He doesn't want to do that. It's like, what do you want? I want that thing from the place, the, the, the sandwich. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Finally get it out of him that what he wants is his BLT from this place called CW Wings, which is basically a bar. It's stinky. It's smoky. It's a bar and grill, uh, equal parts bar and equal parts grill. But they do have online ordering. And he, for some reason, he has like glommed onto this one BLT that he gets without T. So he gets a BL. And... um. Th- that uh, so my wife can order it. She's got an online profile with his credit card and all this stuff. So as we're driving home, I call her and I say, "Will you order a BLT from CW Wings?" I take him home. I drop him off. She forwards me the email. You know, like a lot of times when you order online food, you get the thing. Here's the receipt. We got your order. It'll be ready at whatever. I get that email five twenty seven p.m. Okay, I've like got him in his got him home. He's in his chair in front of his TV, which is where he spends his entire life. It's five twenty-seven. I leave his house about five thirty. For some reason, you can't order sweet tea at this joint. They have it; it's on the menu, but it's like not in their online ordering thing. So it's not a it's not a click button that you can do. 
So I so there's no sweet tea, which is what he wants. So I go to Sonic. I leave his house, go directly to Sonic, and all this stuff is like really close to his house, so it's not far. I go to Sonic. I get in the Sonic drive-through. Get him a sweet tea. I leave Sonic. I go immediately to CW Wings, which is just right around the corner. I'm there early. The food's not ready, and I say it's okay. I'm here early. I'm just waiting on this order for this guy. Okay. The order gets ready. About 5.48. <laughs> they walk out of the thing. You know how sometimes you get the, like an online order and you know there's either a, a counter or a shelf or a rack or something and where the food sits getting cold until you get there? This didn't touch that thing. They have that. They, it didn't touch it. It went directly into my hands. I say thank you. I grab the bag. I go directly to the car. I drive to Grandpa's house, which is, like I say, maybe a two-minute drive, maybe three-minute drive. I get to his house, and they said it would be ready at 5.55. I get to his house about 5.51. Bear in mind, I left his house at 5.30. I'm bringing him his drink and his food at 5.51, which involves going to two places, by the way. 21 minutes later, I'm back at his house with the food. What does he say to me? Does he say, thank you? Does he say, appreciate it? No, what he says is, why took you so long? It's an old man who's, you know, grasp on anything is no longer uh, what it once was, if it ever was. But I just fucking, this is probably the most I've yelled at him since he lived down here. Like, it took so long because it took as long as it fucking took. That's what it took. It couldn't have got here faster. That's what it takes when you order from that fucking place. I don't want to go. That's what it is. So if you don't like it, that's your fault because you picked the place. And, you know, I wasn't cool about it. <laughs> I'm not proud about it. I'm not happy about it. No one was happy about it. I'm maybe a little bit happy because I, I mean, dealing with this old man, he just gives you, uh, by the way, I get 1% of the shit. My, like the things he says to my wife would blister paint and peel. It would uh, delaminate your, uh, your fingernail polish. It was, it's just awful. The stuff he says to her is just awful. And the stuff I get is a fraction of that. But even so it ain't fun. And I was like, you fucking old bastard. I mean, we're literally doing, and, and he does this thing where he, um, his house, he's still the hoarder. Like he gives her a grocery list. It's got um, large amounts of stuff. His f freezer full, slap full. You can't put another thing in there yet. He still wants things bought. You know, it's a man who was born in the depression and, you know, never really left it. His pantry is full. And of course he's done this his entire life. He did this in his trailer. He does this in his house. Gets to pantry, slap full. And then he buys cases of, you know, like those 12 packs of Cokes and things, and then stacks them in front of the door of the pantry. So you can't get in the pantry, which is slap full of food. So the food just sits there and ages out. It's guaranteed you can't get into it because you've now put 40 pounds of shit in a pyramid in front of the door. And yet he has all this food in his house. Uh, and he's hit the point where he just won't he just won't eat. If we don't come over and bring him something or fix him something, he just won't eat. I guess I won't eat today. He was dying for this pound cake. I get the last grandpa story. This is not the grandpa cast. Last grandpa story. He had this pound cake, and my wife bought him the fresh pound cake from Walmart. He didn't like that. What he wanted was the frozen Sara Lee pound cake because it this Stuff, which is, I'm sure, tastes better, is not what he wanted. So he wants this other thing. And she read the directions, told him the directions. It's frozen. But he want, didn't want it in the freezer. He wanted it on the, uh, in the fridge. He's like, well, if in this case, if it's fro thawed in the fridge, you want to microwave it 40 seconds on the microwave. He said 40 seconds on the microwave. Got that? Yes, 40 seconds on the microwave. So what he did was he turned the oven on to 400 and baked it for 40 minutes. That's what he did. <laughs> Imagine what the Sara Lee frozen pound cake looks like after 40 minutes in the oven. It's a, basically a charcoal briquette. <sighs> grandpa, this is life with Grandpa. This is why we're on life support systems only. And I'm doing what I can to get through life. Uh, theoretically, we, we have three days a week that we have to. Uh, deal with him when we take him to and by the way we're against his wishes we are hiring uh help because we just it's wearing everybody out um but that, that's what it's like three theoretically three days a week we have to deal with him 
it's either it's coming close to six or seven because he's just so pathetic. He won't he, although he can get up and walk around, he just won't fix himself food. He won't grab a thing out of the thing. He won't throw it in the microwave. He won't whatever. He just won't. He'll just sit there waiting for somebody to bring him something, and for this, he will be completely non-appreciative. He will yell at you uh, for every little thing, and uh, if he doesn't like how you whatever put something in the sink, he will yell at you for that because. This is what you do when people devote their lives to keeping you alive. You just fucking yell at them. <laughs> That's what you do. <sighs> That's life. That's my life. That's our life. Should I take the break now? Boy, that took so much longer than I thought. Once I got going on that, boy, I did not think. I guess what I'm really doing at this point is venting. Let's take a sip of this fine coffee that I brewed this morning. And it's not cold, my friends. It is. 135.0 degrees. We're going to talk about that. Mm. Mm. That is mouth slurping good. <sighs> All right. I have vented my vent. <laughs> I've outgassed the outgas. And now we're going to talk about something fun. Um, <sighs> slight detour before I even start going. Uh, uh, Corey Doctorow had this thing where he talked about like the predatory, um, the predatory practices of Dollar General, which I'll be honest, I'm, it's probably true, but I never really thought about it. And there's a aspect of that that he doesn't, um, that doesn't appear in his article. I'm gonna throw a tiny bit of shade. This will always, this always gets Brizzler mad. Uh, there's this, there is kind of a little bit of inherent classism, not only, well, in, in Cory Doctorow stuff, there's a little bit of classism in that, like, Walmart's always inherently bad and Dollar General stuff is already inherently bad. Um, and like your San Francisco, you're like your city elites, your blue city elites. They always kind of hate these things. Let me tell you something. When you live out in the country, like I live out in the country, the absolute closest place um, that you can buy produce, there is, in fact, a produce, there's a farm that sells produce. Okay. You can buy that there. But if you want to buy like normal stuff, you want to buy aspirin. There's also two really shitty, um, like gas station convenience stores. The kind that if you're driving down a two lane road at night in an unfamiliar place and you really have to pee, these are the places you look at them and you drive by them and you think, do I have to pee this bad? Uh, I don't know. So those are the two that are closest to my house. The next closest place where you can buy anything, where, you know, you can buy regular stuff, uh, a, a drink or aspirin or paper plates. That would be Dollar General. Right, because they put shitloads of Dollar General. I'm not defending them. I don't like give a shit. But there is something to Dollar General is that a lot of times for country people, that's the closest thing that you have to you. And also, you know, similarly, Dollar General, um, it might even have been Corey has said this, that like Walmart is like an oak tree model and Dollar General is like the dandelion model. <laughs> you have much smaller stores, but uh, I think – I think Dollar General, they don't push through as much money, but they like their distribution network, I think, is more solid. Like in there are places where uh, in relief uh, efforts, like both Walmart and Dollar General sometimes have been uh, like their distribution chain has been. I think FEMA has I don't know what I don't know how you do that, but they have like they have pushed through water. Right. FEMA pays them money and then they use their distribution to get water out to places because they have that distribution channel. So that said, this is what I'm saying. The closest full service grocery store to us is Walmart because uh, we live in the country. We are, as I have noted uh, for the last year and a half, I'm an aspiring country gentleman. And as my child tells me, I'm not an aspiring ge country gentleman. I'm a declining city gentleman. That's what I'm told. <laughs> But so I go to Walmart and I'm at Walmart getting a few things. We've got our ridiculous, uh, it's a inflatable pool, but it's not like a kiddie pool. It's like a 5,000 gallon pool. It's, just it's a kiddie pool, but it's a giant scaled up version. So much so that it requires chemicals and has a pump and everything. And I was getting stuff for that, but also some groceries, which means you walk through the center of Walmart. I'm on, there's nothing more fun than having to go from one wall of Walmart to the other wall of Walmart, which is you know, already like a quarter mile walk. From you know inside that store, but as I'm walking through, I'm walking through the kitchen gadget stuff. So I'm walking through the stuff where the coffee pots and all this thing, and something catches my eye out of the corner of my eye. 
Very recently on the Internet of Things podcast, they were talking about the Ember coffee cup. And I've seen this thing for years. Um, and I've sort of slightly been tempted. It's like this electronic um, coffee cup that's smarter than your just hot plate thing. You know, we've had that little hot plate uh, coffee warmer that generally, like all hot plate things, like your coffee pots with the hot plate, eventually, if you're not paying attention, it cooks your shit down to this weird coffee fudge. Uh, so, you know, for a long time, we've just had the carafe style coffee pots where it brews into the carafe and then just holds it in like a thermos type thing. And so the Ember is smarter than that. You set it to a temperature and it keeps it exactly at the temperature. And it's got Bluetooth and shit. For all I know, you can hook Home Assistant to it. You know, it's stuff. But it's also like 150 bucks. And, uh, you know, even though I, I, we're not living paycheck to paycheck, the cheapskate in me just has a hard time paying 150 bucks for a coffee cup. That's just, it's a bridge too far. Even though it actually sounds cool, and I was kind of interested in it. And you, think about the number of times I already talked about my tepid room temperature coffee. It's like, that would be perfect for my um, office, which is on the far side of the house from everything. It would have been even better in the other office. But uh, out here, you know, it's a long way to downstairs and, uh, you know, in house terms. And I go down and re-microwave my coffee fairly frequently. So, uh, a heating coffee cup would be great. Well, I'm walking through Walmart and I see this thing called Ion Mug. And it looks like basically the Ember coffee cup stuff. And it's like $37. Uh, huh. Huh. So standing there in the middle of Walmart with my cart and everything, I uh, pull out my phone and I'm Googling Ember versus Ion Mug. And I turn up a thing that's not wire cutter, but it's very wire cuttery like. And uh, they have their picks of uh, warming coffee cups and they've got their number one pick is the Ember and their budget pick is the Ion Mug. And they say, you know, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles, but uh, it's solid and it's cheap. I'm like, well, fuck it. I just grabbed the thing. There's, by the way, one. It's not the color I would have picked, but there's literally one of these things on the shelf. Uh, possibly they're on special sale. I don't know. It, it seems pretty cheap. So I've got to grab this copper colored uh 12-ounce mug. Also, I would have gotten a bigger one if they had it, but uh, 12-ounce, fine. Throw it in my cart, go buy my stuff. My friends, I love this fucking thing. <laughs> I've had it a couple days now, and I just love it. You, you've got the settings, and the one that I have, it's very uh, low-tech. It's got a little button and you on the bottom. It's got an on-off button, and if you press it enough, it uh, you have three settings. You can set the sink to 135 degrees, 140, or 145. I've tried it. Uh, 140 is just a little too hot, for me, 145 is way too hot for me. So 135, the, the default setting is fine. And uh, it's got a little coaster that charges the thing. And uh, it's got something like two to three hours of battery life. So if you take it off the coaster, it'll keep your thing warm for a couple hours. But if it's on the coaster, it's like charging as it's sitting there. It's like setting your phone in the dock. It'll keep it warm forever. This is perfect for this office. This coffee is that I brought up here an hour and a half ago is perfectly drinkable. This is nirvana for me. This is heaven. I love it. Mm. I'm going to have more because of it. Mm. So this, for all the shit that's bringing me down, making me unhappy, oh, this Ion coffee mug, this cheap-ass uh, relative piece of shit uh, from Walmart is just making me happy. It's uh, exactly what I want. Here's something else that's making me happy. Um, I apparently this probably happened last year. <sighs> you know, the last couple of years we've been in uh, the, the softball all stars. There's just some wistfulness. We had already the kid had already decided, even if invited, um, we weren't going to do it this year because it really eats up your month of June. Particularly when you go all the way to winning the state championship, it takes the entire month with all the practices and you know there's just a lot of obligation. We uh, weren't going to do it, and then we were, the kid wasn't invited. <laughs> <laughs> like, ugh. And uh, it's a little bit wistful because we've done this thing for years. We've done this non-consecutively. Non we've done it three years, right? We did it, I think, in 8U, and then we did it uh, two years in 10U. And uh, it's just something – it was fun. We kind of – I liked those people. I liked being part of the group. Uh, you know, I liked the whole camaraderie of the team. I liked the other families. I liked the whole thing. So we're not doing – we weren't going to be doing it. It, it's slightly better to have been invited and declined than to not have been invited. But also, um, 
they've gotten serious about the travel ball. And so there's eight kids from travel ball on the all-star teams, which means there's only four slots for non-travel ball players. Well, there were four teams in this league. So there's like 50 kids. So subtract those eight. There's like 42 kids uh, and four slots. So it's not, you know, it's not the kick in the teeth, it seems like. But, uh, you know, it just, uh. but because we were doing all that all-star stuff last year, this ballpark that we live across, we were never here during, like when district playoffs were happening, we were up in fucking Dillon, South Carolina. If you've ever driven up and down 95 where south of the border is, that's about where we were. Um at their big uh, athletic center out there, because that's always where the district playoffs were. So we would go out there, uh, and if we were there, we would have been at Dillon at like 8 a.m. today, but we didn't have to be. <laughs> we would have had to leave the house at like 6.30 to be at Dillon, you know, in time for this 8 a.m. game. Uh, so since we're, since we're not there, we realize there's a district game over here. <sighs> and uh, boy, it, our street is madness. Partly because uh, they have these nice fields with no parking, which means people are parked up and they're parked all the way out uh, in front of our my. I can see them out my uh, office, which I never do during like regular uh, baseball and softball season. Um, there's so many people and so many families, uh, you know, so much stuff happening simultaneously. This car is parked. There's, you know, there's nowhere to park and there's a zillion people. So they're way out here. Um, it is uh, kind of madness, but also. It's fun. I walked the dogs and there were like kids everywhere. And, you know, and also the Conway team, the Conway boys baseball team was playing. I did not go over there and watch them. Um, If they play again, I might even go over. I might even pay the admission fee to go inside and just uh, go watch them. Um, I I will have to, uh, I guess, go over. I walked over a little bit last night at the very tail end. They weren't taking admission. I just walked through for like five minutes, watched the tail end of a game. Uh, And there's something uh, fun about, so, when I watch the kids, like our team, the the like the softball team, uh, play, I could never enjoy enjoy them because I was like my stomach was in knots from the, every pitch on every side of the plate. <laughs> I just couldn't enjoy. It. I was like, I was just a nervous wreck the whole time. A lot of times uh, in these games, I couldn't sit down and watch them because I was just up and pacing the whole game. So there's something fun about watching like. 11 year old boys playing baseball and you got no stake in it. You don't care who wins or loses. You're just watching the game. It's like, Oh, good play. Oh, look at that catch. Oh, look at that pitch. So there was something kind of pleasurable about that. And that kind of was kind of making me happy. Uh, I watched, um, true detective seasons one and two. Um, I went to Vegas. Uh, I'm not even, I don't think I'm even gonna mention the Vegas trip in this show because, uh, it's getting late. Um, but I did go to Vegas for work and on the way there, um, I, watched a little bit of True Detective, which I had downloaded on my tablet. And I watched one or two episodes, first two episodes, I think, of season one, and uh, was, like, blown away. And I ended up, like, every time there was a chill time in the hotel, um, I watched some more True Detective. I watched then more on the plane coming back uh, for what little time I was awake. And then I finished it up, you know, like, the weekend after I got back. So all told, within, like, four or five days, I watched the entire first season of True Detective. And loved it. Um, interesting thing. Part of the reason why I wanted to watch it is because it takes place roughly in a time and place I was, which is it's in, you know, the for the part of that story that takes place in 1995, they're in, in and around Lafayette, Louisiana. They're in like New Iberia. They're in Erath. They're in uh, Scott. I think at one point they're in Crowley. These are all places I've been. <laughs> right? These are, uh, you know, I lived in Lafayette. We were on... Um, I probably could have walked from our rental house when I was in grad school. I could have walked to Scott. We were we had a Lafayette ad- address, but like Scott was maybe I don't know two hundred yards. Like <laughs> we were on the edge of Lafayette where we lived, uh, and so um, even though it wasn't super Lafayette, it was like of that era. And I used to, uh, you know, I would go back and forth. My wife worked in New Iberia. We lived in Lafayette. Um, I don't think anyone that worked at that Schlumberger uh, facility in New Iberia, none of the young people um, lived in New Iberia. I think they all lived in Lafayette because <laughs> New Iberia is a pretty small town for a you know 24-year-old to uh, want to live in. And, uh, you know, I was just in and around that stuff. There was a time where um, 
she had to, there was some reason why she got called off. And we, at the time, we only had one car. I was like, just take the car. I was like, I'll deal with it. She's like, well, what are we, what are you going to do? I was like, I'll figure it out. And stubbornly, what I did was I walked from our house in Lafayette to the car at the Schlumberger facility in New Iberia, which is about 21 miles. I didn't, uh, at the time, I didn't really, it was very early on, so I didn't really have friends. I suppose I could have called a cab at the time. I didn't, at that time, I had never ridden in a cab. I didn't even know how to work a cab. I considered hitchhiking. I almost, I saw a bread truck stopped at one point as I was walking. Uh, you know, you like, I walked through Lafayette, which is probably five or six of the miles. And there's like a 10 or 12 miles straight um, stretch on a highway towards New Iberia. And I saw a bread truck and I almost asked this guy in the bread truck, you know, can I just ride with you as far as you're going? I'm walking all the way to New Iberia. <laughs> Didn't do it. It took, you know, all day. It took like, I don't know, eight or eight hours or 10 hours to walk down there. And I had blisters on my feet and it was, you know, I was sweating and it was a mess, but I walked, I got the car. <sighs> so, I had a lot of weird, uh, fairly young person shenanigans in, you know, 1995 to 97 uh, Lafayette era, you know, Southwest Louisiana. <sighs> but the, the show really blew me away. Like the, the McConaughey and Woody Harrelson were so good. Now. Everything was so good. Then I watched season two and I could tell from the ratings, uh, you know, people liked it less. Season two was watchable, but it was nowhere near. <laughs> like it was, you know, n- not even... I like the ratings were like 10% lower. It was like 20% the show of the first season. I'm told season three is good. I've got season three, uh, you know, available to me. I will watch it. Um, uh, I've been watching other stuff. And then I watch a little bit of Treme. Um, we watched one episode. My wife wasn't digging it. So it was definitely not a both of us show. You know, you've got the individual shows and then you got the, the joint shows. It was definitely not. And I'd watched a few and then I watched a little bit more. And uh, that whole post-Katrina, like when it came out, 2010, uh, even then I was like, I'm not ready. In 2010, I was not ready to watch a post-Katrina New Orleans show. <laughs> it was just, it was, I was not ready for that. And even now, 2023, it actually still like, you know, uh, you know, I wasn't in there. I was, you know, long gone. I was here. I was in South Carolina by the time all that happened. But it was like, I ached for, you know, I had been in on some of those, you know, I've been in a lot of those places that flooded. And uh, so I watched this show and it's way more New Orleans than I ever was. You know, I was never much more than a tourist. Now, I was not a Bourbon Street tourist. I, you know, after a while, I was like, I would go to New Orleans, not even go to the French Quarter. I would go to like Magazine Street and, and places like that. Um, go to Tipitina's, which was where a lot of the shows that I was seeing uh, occurred. So, uh, you know, to, Treme, um, you know, it's interesting. I'm enjoying it. I kind of like the New Orleans of it. There is one of the ones that I watch. And so honestly, Steve Zahn is so Steve Zahn in this. He's like the character, like the worst character in this whole show as a, like the hipstery knucklehead. There's a thing where he tells, there's some aid workers down there from they're from Minnesota. And they're like, I don't know, young church, some church group that's like doing some sort of aid work. And that really put me in mind of that kind of post Katrina era when um, people's hearts were going out and people were, um, you know, there was some attention being put on the area, but it was kind of a, what's the way I want to, almost like a condescending help. Um, I will remember in this era, this is like the Scoble video blog era. And he had all these, you know, he would have these video blogs and he would interview, Oh, whoever it, um, Jason Calcanis. Or you know he'd interview some some uh, very Silicon Valley douchebag, and and then at some point I think a bunch of vloggers went to New Orleans, you know maybe uh, two months after Katrina, so like late 2006 ish. Was it 2005? This happened in 2005, I think. So like late, like maybe November 2005 ish. And he did some vlogs, and I do remember. Um, him publishing this vlog and it was like Scoble talks with a New Orleans native. And I thought that was so disrespectful that Scoble, I don't think even knew his name. <laughs> so he's there, he's talking to this guy who's, you know, lost everything in that kind of, uh, the almost like that local news. How do you, f- how did you feel when you lost everything? It's like, I felt bad. 
well, how the fuck did you think I felt? I felt really bad when a complete catastrophe happened to uh, everything I know. Um, but I'm not even sure. I remember watching the video and thinking, this is the most condescending fucking thing I've ever seen. And even in the video, I'm not 100% sure Scoble ever even asked him his name. Uh, and I remember thinking that. And and I was that's part of why I didn't want to – I was worried about Treme. Um, I also – there was um, – in I want to say it was at Converge South. They had a film festival, and there were these people. So Converge South happened in Greensboro, North Carolina. But there are these people from Charleston, like the Conovers knew know, knew them. They were kind of in that circle, and they made this film about this documentary about post Katrina. And I went to this film festival in Converge South, and I sat there and watched it, and I was excited to see this thing. Um, and I had met the people before and like Dan and, and Janet had introduced me and, you know, I was kind of friendly with them and I was excited to see their documentary. And I watched this thing and it's all about the aid workers <laughs> and practically uh, like 98% of everything, like anybody who spoke was an aid worker. It was all about the experience of these aid workers coming in. I'm like, these are the fuckers I care the least about in the entirety of the, I was like, so disappointed. I was like, I was angry after I watched this thing. I was like, what the fuck? You went to New Orleans to film a documentary about life post Katrina. And you didn't talk to anyone who actually has a life post Katrina. You talked to these, uh, you know, these aid tourists who are coming in, you know, helping for some short time period and getting the fuck out. Oh, it was devastating to watch. It, it was like, I was so bummed, you know, I'm so uh, heart struck when I saw this. I was like, how about the people who have to live with this? How about the people who have to reassemble their life? Those are the people that interest me and that I care about. But anyway, I was I remember being so angry at this documentary and thinking, why? Why are these the people you're talking to? Like, what made you think for one second that these were this this was the story? <sighs> Treme um uh actually is not that. And and uh very slow going. I mean, I've watched I'm on episode four, and I think I watched episode one maybe eight months ago. So I'm not, uh, I'm not binging this. I'm doing the opposite of binging. But uh, uh, thus far, I'm actually warming up to it. And I'll probably uh, pick up pick up the pace a little bit. I think probably the last um, the last topic uh, for this show, uh, particularly when I go a while without shows, boy, the topics sure take a lot of time. It's like uh, we have un we have uncorked. <laughs> We've we've released the uh, steam valve and uh, a lot of shit comes p- tumbling out since the last show. Somebody, uh, one of my friends tried to email me something and this would be a friend who knows me well enough to have my cell phone number. He tried to email me. His email bounced back and he uses P.O. Box dot com and it has for, I don't know, 25 years. I mean, a very long time. And his email, he couldn't send his email because Gmail said something about um, not high enough reputation something. And so for a long time, I have, uh, like my domain that you would send it to, if you send it to either Evil Genius Chronicle, Dave at EvilGeniusChronicles.org, or I have the equivalent at myname.com, um, all those things. We're sitting on a Linode box that then would just do, um, uh, I'm blanking on the thing, post... Po- what the hell? It's not Postscript. It's not Postgres. It's the Postfix. Postfix email forwarding, and it would send it to Gmail. It's always been troublesome. There's always shit. Gmail like sometimes declines the stuff, and there's just issues. Uh, at some point, I got so tired. So he sent. He's texted me that he can't send me this email. I was like, fuck. And I got so fed up with it. I just tore down my email infrastructure. And uh, turned off Postfix and uh, went to ProtonMail. And I'm using that now. And so I do the whole thing with the custom domain. And I changed it so that you've got like a – you say the the MX record, which is you say what what receives the email for this domain. And I pointed all that stuff to ProtonMail and did all this stuff. And uh, thus far, uh, I'm way happy with it. Um, it is it, – it, it's weird. Like you don't just get, you can't just connect things to it because it does this encryption thing. Like I can't just um, set up uh, evolution or any email client and just point to the thing. You have to set up this weird bridge that sits on your machine and does the encryption. And then you do like pop or SMTP to the bridge. It's very weird. So I, that I like a little bit less. So I do a weird combination of the mobile apps you can't just use any mobile app with it. You have to use either Proton Mail or Proton Calendar. 
uh, you know, on Android or iOS. So I had been using Spark for a long time. I can't use that with ProtonMail. That was a little bit of a bummer. But in general, I like it so much better than Gmail. Um, it's less horseshit. Uh, it's just, so the, even though, so I do this combination of, of mobile app. I use Evolution on my desktop, on my Linux uh, laptop. And then uh, sometimes I use the web interface, which is not as good as Gmail, but it's good enough. It's good enough to be acceptable. And so with all this stuff, I'm getting email. Um, it seems like I'm getting less spam. Um, I don't know if that's just because more is getting rejected at the, you know, at the, it's like it's not even making it in to get there. As far as I know, I have gotten less false positive spam. Nobody has uh, texted me. <laughs> My email's not going through. Thus far, I seem to like it. It, it seems to be good. Gmail is one of those things where it just slowly brought me down. Like in 2004, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And in 2023, it just fucking sucks, really. Um, And, uh, you know, catching, putting things in the spam folder that you really wanted. um, I'm pretty sure um, I got a thing about podcast Hall of Fame voting that I never saw because it went to the spam filter and then got deleted. Um, But also then they never had the podcast Hall of Fame this year. So I don't know what's going on. I just, I just don't know. I just don't know. <sighs> but anyway, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy to have kicked Gmail to the curb. Um, I still get stuff. Like, so, like you know, sometimes when you sign up for a thing and you use your Google account for um, authentication, I still get email from some of those things. I get email from Carvana and Gmail. So I don't not use it at all, but it's like a minority of stuff. And I might even just unsubscribe from everything that has that. I might never do that, uh, authenticate with Google again, simply for that reason. You know how you get, sometimes you have to, cause it doesn't give you an option to create an account. So sign in, you know, it lets you OAuth sign in, create an account with Google or Facebook or GitHub or something like that, but it won't let you just use an email and password. Um, but if it does, I may, even if it's a pain in the ass, I may do that just so that I don't have to use my Gmail address anymore. And now it is time for something that we call the reading of the patrons. The following people went to bit.ly, bit.ly slash EGC Patreon and pledged to support to keep the shambling mess shambling. Thank you to the following people. Derek Coward, Adam Rittenauer, Ken Kennedy, Paul Fisher, R. Hooley, Robert Harvey, Paul Smith, Andrew Heron, Grant Bachoco, Tony Ewing, Craig Stepp, Paul Reynolds, Shannon Nelson, Charlotte Kennedy, Leah, the Enigmagic Angela Lee, Chuck Tomasi, Stuart Maxwell, Michael Butler, Bruce Lerner, Skeeter Murphy, Robert Gibson, Len Edgerly, Melissa A. Bartell, Andrew Howe, Michael Street, Neil Forker, Dyko, Kevin Freedy, Brian Springer, Tim Shaw, Rob Usden, John Gehring, Wayne Pittenger, Brian Jones, Joe Pollock, Jeff Dangle, J.P. Shippard, Steve Holden, Brian Hogan, and last but not least, patrons in exile, Nutty Nukchas and Eric Peterson. Thank you, one and all, for your support. Again, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-G-C Patreon. And with that, let us kill the music. So with that, if you want to email me, and I will get it on ProtonMail, Dave at EvilGeniusChronicles.org. Oh, one of the other things I like is that all of my um, all of my accounts filter to the same place. I mean, I could have done that before, but I I, I do like the way um, I just basically have the one email account, and then everything filters in, and I just like color code it differently depending on what address it was sent to. I like that. I could have done the same thing with Gmail, but it just happens, uh, you know, just happens out of the box with uh, Proton. So happy with Proton. I might even have some sort of like affiliate link that saves you money. I don't know uh, if that's possible. Look in the show notes at evilgeniuschronicles.org if you want to try it. I, I tried, I did the free trial and I, I did the free trial and I used the free trial for like one day and I thought, fuck it, I'm, I'm doing this. So then I did the, like the lowest paid version, uh, but that didn't do enough custom domains to do all of the ones I wanted to do. So I had the, uh, the paid version for like three days and then I went, oh, fuck. And then I went to like the, the upgraded version so i went from free to paid to higher tier paid in like six days so anyway if i have an affiliate link uh it will be in there if not it will be a bear link whatever you can get to proton
You can also Google it. Whatever, man. I, I can't tell you how to live your life. Uh, and when I say, hey, man, uh, I mean the inclusive man, which includes all of God's creatures under this earth. Male, female, trans, non-binary. I don't give a fuck. You're all man to me. Hey, man. Hey, dude. Hey, guys. It's all the same to me. Hey, y'all. You're all part of all. Thank you for listening. As I said <laughs> in my sloppy outro, my so- sloppy semi-outro, Dave at EvilGeniusChronicles.org if you're so inclined to email me. EvilGeniusChronicles.org if uh, you want to see the show notes or you want to see stuff and uh, more to come. Uh I haven't even talked about how I'm way slowing down on Mastodon. That will be it for a future show. Thank you for listening. I will catch you again next time. Do not forget, as you trundle your way through whatever the hell world this is, that I love you. Goodbye. You know, there's a line, uh, Warren Zevon in uh, Play It All Night Line, he has a song where he's, it's, you know, and I want to pick him up. It's in the five-ish reason. Reach. And also, so you can't just use any mobile app with it. You have to have to use Probot Pro. You can't just use any. David Evil Genius Chronicles. When that's over, if we're still alive, I'll clean my own fucking mess up.